welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyten and I am the podcast editor for the JNMP. I'm joined today by Professor Helma Lehman from the Department of Neurology at the University Hospital of Cologne. We're going to be discussing his recent paper published in the JNMP on chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, otherwise known as CIDP. Professor Lehman is going to give us a bit of an update on diagnosis and treatment in CIDP and the recent advances in the field. So Helma, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. To give myself and a bit of um, perhaps some of the other layman listeners um, a bit of background, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about CIDP and in particular the different variants of it that exist. Yeah, well, uh, CIDP is a, uh, stands for Chronic Inflammatory Demyelinating Polyneuropathy and is an immune-mediated inflammatory neuropathic condition. Um, it occurs worldwide at all ages, and the prevalence rates are kind of uh, different in different geographical areas, ranging from 0.8 up to 9 per 100,000 inhabitants. CIDP can sometimes be problematic in terms of uh, diagnosis because it doesn't come with clearly specific symptoms compared to other neurologic conditions, for example, Parkinson's disease. And right now we don't have any really good diagnostic biomarker to diagnose the disease with um, high sensitivity. CIDP has subtypes, so it can uh, in a kind of typical condition, uh, but there are also uh, variants um, described and particularly these variants can be even more uh, difficult to diagnose. The subtypes are actually called distal acquired demyelinating symmetric neuropathy, which typically shows distal symmetrical sensory or sensory symptoms. Then there are another variant that has been described as Lewis Sumner syndrome, which typically comes with nerve conduction blocks and typically shows multifocal distributed sensory and motor symptoms. And there has been other variants described, for example, pure sensory or pure motor variants. So it's obviously not a uniform disease and can, can sort of manifest itself in various degrees in patients um, with varying symptoms. Um, your paper, of course, tells, uh, sort of relays the, uh, our current understanding of CIDP and the different subtypes. Um, in particular, how the complex nature of diagnosis and treatment has evolved in recent times. So I wanted if we could just hone in on that a bit and you could just tell us a bit about what are the major breakthroughs in the diagnosis of CIDP? I mean, you just mentioned that it's actually quite a difficult disease in that sense, that it doesn't have a set of symptoms. So, so what are the most fundamental breakthroughs in the diagnosis of CIDP in recent years? Yeah, so uh, still the most, most important diagnostic measure to diagnose the disease are nerve conduction studies. But as you said, over the last 10 years, there has been some remarkable new findings in terms of other diagnostic tests that may help, uh, at least in the future, to better diagnose CIDP. One thing are actually antibodies, novel antibodies that has been described in CIDP, which are directed against nodal proteins, for example, neurofascine and contactin-1. So... 
there are really important papers from the group from Louis Carroll, Claudia Zama, and others that described antibodies, these antibodies, which occur in roughly about 5 to 10% of CIDT patients. However, when the patients are positive for these antibodies, they often show a distinct clinical phenotype. So they are, show often more involvement of motor nerves and are often less responsive to IVIG. So this may point to a kind of distinct subtype of CIDP patient. The other breakthrough or the other recent developments are actually neuroimaging techniques. So this is something we are also interested here in Cologne. For example, we work on MRI parameters to monitor or to, to even diagnose CIDP patients. There are also other groups that are interested in these uh, techniques. One example is, for example, diffusion tensor imaging that can tell you something about the axonal integrity of peripheral nerves. Another neuroimaging technique where there are some very interesting developments are actually nerve ultrasound, where quite often you can actually see increased uh, nerve diameters in affected nerves in CIDP patients. So some really interesting advances there, um, particularly um, with regards to neuroimaging and ultrasound. Your paper obviously touches as well on the treatment of CIDP, so, so the other end of the spectrum once you've made the diagnosis, and how you treat the disease in its complexity, of course, varying degrees of symptoms. Um, your paper made an interesting point which, when talking about, despite the relative rarity of the disease, that it was actually extraordinarily expensive. The cost burden was enormous given the typical treatment of CIDP. I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about this, and in particular, how has treatment of CIDP actually advanced? Yeah, well, treatment of CIDP is uh, another challenge because CIDP patients typically respond very different uh, individually. So that means that the treatment actually has to be tailored to each patient. Usually the mainstays of CIDP treatment are immunoglobulins, corticosteroids, and plasma exchange. So from these three treatments we have evidence from randomized controlled trials and roughly Rob can say that two-thirds of all CIDP patients respond to one of these treatments. The challenge always exists, so to find out which patient responds optimal to one of these treatments. In terms of treatment, there has also been novel approaches over the last years. Uh, one is, for example, that the application of immunoglobulins subcutaneously. There has been a large trial, the past trial, which has been published in 2018, that has been that demonstrated the efficacy of subcutaneous immunoglobulin in uh, CIDP. There's also been other treatment approaches which were uh, less successful. So there have obviously been some interesting advances in the treatment of CIDP, as you mentioned, the novel trial findings look at subcutaneous administration of immunoglobulin. So my next question and my final question for you, Helmar, is about where to next for CIDP, both either in the diagnosis or the treatment of it? What would you um, and the team that wrote this review, what would you like to see happen as the next step of, of understanding? Yeah, that is a very good uh, question, uh, Elizabeth. As we discussed, so CIDP is a very 
dynamic field and there have been uh, lots of advancement. However, there's still a lot of things that has to be done uh, better for this disease and for our patients. And things that I would like to see more develop in the future are actually better diagnostic tools for disease monitoring and for discriminating this condition and also the atypical CITP variants from other neuropathic conditions. And the other field where we still has to work harder is actually to develop novel treatments that are more suitable to improve regeneration in, of injured axons and myelin. So we have now a whole set of treatments that can really uh, good suppress inflammation and treat endoneuroinflammation. However, what we don't have right now is anything that we can offer our patients to improve regeneration and to hasten recovery. And these are actually something that I would very much like to see in the future to have something that we could offer our patients for this. Absolutely. So it sounds like the future, what we really want to see is instead of the stabilizing symptoms, but actually then moving forward to improving of the symptoms as well. So that was Professor Lehman from the Department of Neurology at the University Hospital of Cologne, providing us with an update on chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, IDP. Professor Lehman, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast and speaking with me about your work.